This is the Secret Library Podcast. I'm Caroline Donahue. As a lifelong book lover, I've been hanging out with books as long as I can remember. Here on the show, we're going inside the world of books and learning what's involved in going from brilliant idea to finished manuscript and what it takes to get it out in the world. You'll hear from authors, publishers, editors, and all kinds of professionals whose work brings you what you read every day. The Secret Library Podcast is sponsored by Muse Monthly, a subscription box for literature and tea lovers. Get a brand new novel custom paired with a full box or tin of tea on your doorstep every month. Visit musemonthly.com and use the code SECRET00, all one word in all caps, for 10% off your subscription. All right, we are back with another episode of The Secret Library, and I always love having someone who's actually connected to the titular library on the show. So this week we have Michelle Wetzel, who is head librarian at Radnor High School in Wayne, Pennsylvania. And I have known Michelle since we were 12? Seventh grade, sixth grade. Yeah, 11. Maybe we were 11. I know. Oh, that's almost, that's like 18 years. Anyway, so we've been talking about books for a really long time, but I really wanted to have Michelle on to talk about the beginnings of good reading habits. And because so many of us listening to the show or who are thinking about writing and reading, remember being book nerds and that being like a nerdy negative thing. And given the rise of YA and all of those kinds of trends and how everybody's in that, I think the nerds are taking over. And I wanted to confirm this theory by talking to someone who's a little got her ear on the ground for the, uh, the trends of the high school library. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We love the nerds. We like to (laughs) (laughs) encourage every bit of reading that you can and, you know, well, we can talk about it, but we, we, we try to perpetuate it in lots of different ways. So how hard is it to perpetuate? Are people like eager to read in the high school group or are they fighting it? Like, what are you seeing among, among the the wilds of the high school? Oh my God. I know. Well, there are like, there's probably a small 2% that like all they do is read and they'll be in here every day, which is amazing. Uh, People use the library. That's on a side note every day, all the time. Like this is like where they come, which is great. Like, I feel like if you build it, they will come and it's a cozy place. It's jam-packed. They keep saying, Mrs. Wetzel, we need more chairs. We need more tables in here. There's not enough room for all of us. And I, we have 150 chairs. I'm like, guys, you know, I'm so glad <laughs> I'm going to be here, but like, just sit on the floor, whatever. Um, we sat on the floor when we were in school. Yeah. Oh yeah. We sat on the floor and then, but no, really a lot of them don't read when they get to high school. They, you know, a whole lot of them are really busy with like their regular academics or their sports or they get into the theater. So they like other hobbies tend to take over. And the big, big thing I hear is that they just don't have any time. What? That's starting in high school. I know. I know. I know. They are busy, like, but they also like to hang out too. I mean, that's important to them. So I know I think when it comes between friends and hanging out and like reading a book at night, they would pick their friends, but we do try to change it. You know, like there are things that we're trying to do, like, you know, I don't know if you want me to go into it, but like, just really quickly, like, this year I started like our one book, one Radnor, where it's sort of modeled off of like the one book, one Philly, like the one book, one city kind of a thing where the whole community reads the same book. And so I just figured, all right, I don't know if they want to do this, but let's just try to go for it. And so it's like a series of five months with like different events and it ends with the author coming in October for the whole day. So he's going to talk to like 
all of the kids in different assemblies. So we're like really gearing up for that. And I have a couple more things coming up in September that I'm planning before he comes. But So what's the book? So it's called Endangered by Elliot Schrafer. And uh, it's a National Book Award finalist. It's actually, it's fiction. And I wasn't sure, you know, like there's a really big push for nonfiction with um, teens these days. I think like, you know, in school, because like a lot of the academic work is nonfiction that they want to have them also just encouraged to read a lot about that because like the testing also focuses on nonfiction. So, you know, that's always like an underlying thing, but um, you know, the nice thing is is that like a lot of the, the setting and the themes tie into some of our curriculum things. So, but the interesting thing is I didn't want to make it mandatory. So it is an optional read, although like the teachers have a chance to like really work it into like bio, for example, with the primates or um, like our world studies class focuses on Africa and that's where the book takes place. So there's a lot that the teachers can wrap in if they want to and if the students want to. So yeah. Are you, are you seeing that they're interested and wanting to participate? I was not sure. I was like really nervous because I was, you know, you put a lot of time and a lot of effort and I wrote two different grants to get the money to oh, make wow. it full and, you know, do different things. And I was thinking, oh shoot, if nobody reads it, this will really stink. But I was coming into work last week trying to get ready for the year to start. This is our first day today. And I had a senior walking out and I said, Hey, Natalie, how was your summer? And she's like, good. But Mrs. Wetzel, I have to tell you, everybody is reading endangered everyone. And I was like, Oh my God, you just made my day with that one sentence. You know, like, it was just, I needed to hear it from a student and I needed to hear it from somebody who kind of knew what was going on. So it was good. Like, I feel like it's going to be great. It's good. My confidence has pumped up back up again. Yeah, that's so cute. You started a trend among high schoolers. <laughs> that's got to be like we'll the pinnacle of success. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying. I'll tell you. I'm trying. But if it works out, I'll be happy. It'll that's be good. so great. So I'm curious, like for the 2% that are reading all the time, are they reading nonfiction or fiction? Like, what are you seeing them reading? Um, it's a mix, but I would say primarily fiction. Okay. I would say fiction. We have this group called, um, it's it's a, a countywide program called the Reading Olympics. But at the high school, that sounds a little nerdy. So they wanted to call them uh, their group the Battle of the Books. Oh, cute. And so, like, it's a club and they read all year long. It's like a list is released in... Um, I think it's like August every year. And so this club reads all year long. They can read whatever books they want on the list. And then in May, all of the high schools get together to do a competition of like, it's sort of like a little quiz show oh, where they cute. can get points and they battle other local high school teams. And so a lot of those are fiction, but they do work in like some, a little bit of nonfiction, but I think that's, you know, tends to draw a lot of our kids into the fiction. I'm so jealous. We would have been so good at that. I know we really would have. Why didn't they have that when we were in high school? I would have totally I loved know, it. I know. I know. Seriously. Oh my God. We make shirts. They make up their team names and everything. It's awesome. That's so great. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Because I feel like there is this kind of, and maybe it's just that there's more social media available to people who are those big readers. Because I'm seeing... I discovered this after I was following a bunch of like bookstagram, Instagram accounts, you know, where people like take pictures of what they're reading. Oh yeah. And, um, after a few months I realized I started to notice like in their comments, cause I was like, Oh, this is really cool. I like found my people. And a few of them were like, I got to study for my math test, but next I'm going to get back to this book. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm following a bunch of high schoolers, <laughs> Instagrams. 
<laughs> because they're so, but they, they have like <laughs> unbelievably organized bookshelves that are like organized. They look like they're styled and they have their like book accessories. And I was like, this oh. is a whole new level of oh, reading. Yeah. And is oh, that what you're seeing in among the readers, like the serious readers? Well, no, I mean, the serious readers really get into it. I mean, like they will plow through the books. They probably, I've never seen their bookshelves, but I'm sure they have some good ones at home. Um, and they're the ones like that really clue me in. Like I, I look to them to make sure that I have what they want in the library. You know, like I, we formed a library club when I first got here five years ago and, you know, there wasn't even like a student book club in place. It was just sort of like, things had been kind of coasting along. And so I was like, all right, let's like, I wanted the students to, to take a big part in this. And so we started a club and, and we do like every six weeks we have a, like we do, what do we call it? Like, I guess like a, a book lunch where like they'll bring their, we, we set the book that we all read and then they bring their lunch and I always bake brownies and the public librarian comes and joins us. And so we'll just sit and talk. But then I realized that that was sort of like not cool anymore. Who wants to sit and talk about the book? So like, I was like, all right, we're going to switch this up a little bit. So last year, I don't know if you read the book, um, The Young Elites by Marie no. Lu, L-U. And that book had like lots of different battles. It was science fiction. And so we actually, I'm like, how can I pump this up a little bit? Um, we called the Haverford College Fencing Coaches. And they came to teach our book club how to fence amazing so I'm like you know what we've got to make it interesting and like hands-on and something that's just like weird like so bizarre where they'd be like wait your book club is fencing like what maybe I should go you know like and and get more people in like I'm missing out on something if I'm not going to this book club I know I know oh I don't know if you read Divergent by I know this I've seen the movie but we did like they have like you know she's part of this faction where they jump off of like buildings and stuff like that and and so we read that and then I wrote a grant and we went to parkour. So they were like <laughs> running up different walls and, and I did a flip into this foam pit and this one kid, Austin was like, Mrs. Wessel, we need you in school tomorrow. What are you doing? I'm like, Oh my God. They don't know about your athletic history. I know. I know. But it's just funny. I'm like, keep them on our toes, on their toes. You know, we're not just some boring old, like sit and chit chat book club. No, you're like action book club. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to have to tell my book club about this. Right, right. <laughs> Again, hoping it works, you know? We just, we can only hope. You know what? If you're doing parkour for your book club, I would say you are going the distance to really be <laughs> as invested as you possibly can. <laughs> oh, it does okay. seem like sci-fi and fantasy, like among my limited awareness, is based on my Instagram stalking of various high schoolers um, is a really popular genre. Like, are you seeing that as an increase in interest for people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, definitely last year and the year before it was more like the post-apocalyptic everything, you know, which I guess fits into that category, but it was, you know, starting with the Hunger Games a few years ago and then moving on to Divergent. I feel like the people who read those first in the in the series books definitely like were on pins and needles to see like what was book number two book number three and they would go through all of those books so you know and definitely I think um some of the new emerging authors are that genre for sure like um like Victoria Schwab oh yeah I love her uh, yeah oh I know she came to our school a few oh years she ago. did that's awesome yeah yeah, I didn't realize how awesome she was when she was here. And now I'm like, oh, man, 
I wish I had, you know, given her the proper credit. Yeah, everybody I know who meets her, like, has a major writer crush on her afterwards. Oh, yeah. Oh, she turned a lot of our high school girls, like, major, like, I mean, I guess, like, a crush, you know, but. Yeah. Definitely. uh, Like, I want to write now, too. She's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. For sure. sure. Yeah. I love the cover design on her books. It feels like cover design is getting increasingly cool. Like, when I think of the books we read in high school, and now I'm going to totally date us, although I already have by saying how long we've known each other. So, oh, well. Like, we were reading, like, Flowers in the Attic. And, like, remember those covers? I know. It's embarrassing. Maybe we read them in in middle school, but the Emily series. Oh, yeah, the Emily of New Moon, like all the Ella Montgomery. Oh, Oh, so good. I would still read those again, though. I know. Yeah, but the cover is huge these days. And even I get bummed if a cover, like, doesn't look like it's going to attract a high schooler because it's harder for me to sell it. You know, like, I try to get these books in these kids' hands as much as possible, right? And so if the cover looks like not that appealing it is it becomes a whole lot harder to talk it up you know so because how are they going to instagram that book they're going to be like this cover is boring (laughs) i know they wouldn't put that out there this is part of their digital footprint (laughs) i want i'm wondering and this is a little bit off topic but not really i'm wondering if the return or there's a little bit of a resurgence and a slowdown on ebooks sales that i've seen and that it's like they thought ebooks were just going to completely take over. And then now the the hard copy books are coming back. And I'm wondering if that's because of social media, because I find myself saying, oh, I really want to buy the paper copy of this book, because how am I going to take a picture of what I'm reading for my social media if I don't have the physical book? Do you think that applies for the kids as well? Yes and no. Like, I totally see that. I think probably they would just screenshot an image. Like, Oh, yeah. For them and then they're, post- they're just more advanced than I am. Yeah, they know they do. They do know a whole lot. But um I feel like I'm still pushing the ebooks and getting a good response from the students for the ebooks just because they're so easy. They're available anytime right. and immediately. I think a lot of it is the instant gratification. Like right. you want it right now, um, we can just get it. Because all of our guys have iPads, which is nice. And so then when we got the iPads, I really made a big push for an ebook platform. And we uh, ended up with Overdrive, like yep. for lots of reasons. But um, one big one was that that's what our public libraries are using. So they can really toggle back and forth between the two library systems and get really get whatever they want. Mm. Um, and I always sell it to them like, you know, you can, can't spill coffee on it. You can't lose it. I, you know, there's nothing you can do to that book. It checks itself back in. You don't have to return. Yeah, you don't it. have like, fines. It's so easy. And I think like when you make it easy for them, they appreciate it, you know? And so, um, they will tend to read eBooks a little bit more. The nice thing too, is that even for me as a librarian, like to go and buy it, I try to get things for them quickly, but some of our book vendors take like a month. And, you know, for the print, which is like your whole life when you're 15 years old. Oh my God. By that time they've forgotten about the book and they're on to the next. Yeah. They're five deep. (laughs) So, but with overdrive and I don't want to like sell overdrive. I love overdrive. I have a, actually, I have a tutorial on the blog, which I will link to in the show notes. That is, um, how to use overdrive both for, I love it for regular books, but also you can do it for audio. If you like audio books, um, I'm kind of an audiobook junkie because I'm such a nerd that I like to listen to books and knit at the same time because I couldn't uh-huh. figure out how to knit and read simultaneously. 
Um, I love it. So, uh, so we go through a good amount of audiobooks, and then plus Barry is a designer, and so he can listen to books while he's working because he's drawing. Oh, versus right. I can't because I'm writing. But um, but he goes through audiobooks like a maniac. So we're big audio um, overdrive audio users as well. But I'll link to both of those tutorials in the show notes for this episode. Oh yeah, for people who don't know how to use it, like it's it's not so hard, but it's good to have that helpful just you know uh, tutorial right there for you just in case. I mean, a lot of it for us too is our kids like to you know if they're walking to school, if they take the bus, kind of like you're saying, just like the multitask ability for those audiobooks. But then it's also like the kids with special needs, like some kind of need that version. And so I try to go out of my way to like find out, well, what are the core books in our curriculum? And so we make sure to have like those an audiobook and those an ebook too, just so that they have that multiple formats available for them. Do you get them in other languages? Because one thing, there's a really great book that I loved called um, Fluent Forever. And one thing that they recommended, which I had not thought of before, was getting a book like Harry Potter or something in the young adult genre, particularly something you might have already read, hence Harry Potter, but um, in a hard copy and then also getting it in audio, but in the other language. So I've been doing this with German and um, you can listen to the audio and then follow along in the book. So that you're able to get the sound of the language and the way the words look at the same time. And then it really helps language comprehension. I'm writing that idea down right now because I love that idea. And I think our language teachers would love that too. Yeah. I think it's really, it's really helpful to just, because if you already know the story and I think like everybody, but four people knows the story of Harry Potter, um, (laughs) And granted, there's a lot of words that like you might not need to know in another language, like blast ended scroots or whatever. But um, <laughs> I'm actually really curious to see what it is in other languages. Um, but apparently that's a really big help. And I, I keep wishing that Overdrive had that audio in other languages. So if you find a source, please do let me know and we will hook everybody up. I will. I will. I'm going to look into that. I love that idea. Love it. Because I feel like that's sort of a even a print section in the library that I've neglected a little bit. Like I, I just don't know what the kids are looking for, like in other languages. So I just took out the old stuff, but I'm not sure what to replace it with. Yeah. Fresh, but no, that's a really good point. I mean, there's always like a good focus every year and like that, that'll be one of mine for sure. Yeah. I bet if they could get like divergent or hunger games in other languages too, they know that story really well now also. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think they would love it. I'll I'll look into it. Definitely. I love that. I mean, the other thing too is like, you know, we've been talking about books, but, um, one thing that changed even like my, um, casual reading habits for magazines is that Zinio. Oh yeah. In that those digital, I mean, it's like right as soon as it hits the newsstand and it's all through the public library and it's like over 200 magazines. So I'm even trying to push that. I mean, a lot of it is like, um, home stuff and hobby stuff like gardening, but they have some sweet magazines that would really link up with a lot of our, um, classes like the economist or, uh, fortune, like things like that. Or so, national geographic. You can look at oh, all those yeah. amazing images. Yeah. Yep. You can never go on, go wrong with that. So, you know, just while we're on the topic of digital stuff and having it all in one place, because, you know, these kids, they like to travel. They only have, it's really hard, as you know, to take like five books and 10 magazines on vacation. But if you can just sort of download it all, it's nice and easy. 
No, totally. Having a device for travel is really like when I think back again, we sound like what back in the day. Um, I know. Yeah. I'm like, remember when you had to pick which CDs you could bring? Like, and yeah. like audiobooks were like seven CDs long, and you're like, oh Uh-oh. my god, I, I can only bring one, you know? And it's just, yeah. And then I I was constantly paying overage fees um, for my suitcase weight because of all the books in there. I know, I know, because that was like the main time that you had time to read. So you knew you could plow through it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I I think it's amazing to see how accessible reading is. And do you find that they are more engaged to be like, oh, cool, I can do this because I'm playing on this device anyway, if they have an iPad, that it makes them more likely to read? Oh, that's a good question. I am not sure. I think it really goes back to like just being easy and all in one place. But, you know, I think there is a draw like I'm thinking about for my own kids and last night we were heading to bed and we're actually funny that you mentioned it. Cause we're reading Harry Potter to my Yay. two girls for in second and third grade, but my four-year-old can't really sit still for like the chapters as well. So he gets like a little frustrated after like the first 15 minutes. And so last night he was begging for tumble books, which is an online, it's like a picture ebook reader, whereas the picture books that we know, but they're animated and read out loud. Oh, cool. And it's a huge draw for him. Because it's just something a little bit different. And it's like the novelty of having the iPad. Like, I feel like the teenagers don't have, like, the iPad restrictions like my kids do. You know, I'm always like, outside, get off the iPad. (laughs) But then, like, when they're like, wow, I can read books on the iPad. And you love books. And we love books. And, you know, why would she ever say no as a mom? You know, so um, they do beg for that. And a lot of times I'll give in because they feel like, well, why not? Like, we'll... We've already read five books together in his bed or whatever. And I'm like, okay, if you want a couple more on the iPad, if that's fun and engaging, go for it. Yeah, exactly. I think the thing that's tricky about device reading, and I don't know the answer to this, but is that when I, and that's why I'm honestly like, I don't use my iPad at all. I had like a a second edition. It's really old now. Um, And I I honestly don't know where it is in the house. That's terrible. But I... (laughs) ended up using a Kindle much more than an iPad. And I know that's like anathema to say, but I basically check books out from the library onto my Kindle. I don't really buy books that much on there. Um, And I use it for travel, but I don't like the distraction of, oh, I should just check this on email or, oh, I can do that. Like there's too many things for me that I could do on an iPad that takes me away from reading. And it's Mm -hmm. hard enough for me to settle down and read anyway before that mm-hmm. distraction comes in. I don't have a Kindle, I have an iPad, but I know like it's really hard to stay focused. It really is. And I, I think the the most convenient part about using that device is just that you can get anything at any time that you want. You know, so the library can be closed, the stores can be closed, and you know, you have the ability to just click download on your device and it's right there for you. So you know, the funny thing is, and you're reminding me is that like a lot of the kids do that with ebooks, but if they're in here in the library and they need a print book and we have it, or let's just say it's out, I'll say, okay, I'll find it for you. I'll, or I'll get an interlibrary loan. They just say, oh no, 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 no. I'll just go buy it. I'll just go buy it. I mean, nine times out of 10, that's their response if they need a print book. And so like, I always find that really interesting because I'm like, well, being the librarian, I'm like, well, you can get it for free. It's no problem. Like I'll get it to you in two days. Yeah. Right. Right. But I also appreciate the fact that they might want that copy, which is great. 
you know, like, I think that's a good, a good sign. I wonder what that's, yeah. I wonder what that's about that. Like, it's okay to have a loaned copy that's digital, but when you get the real book, do they like writing notes in it? I wonder, or what it's about, because I like actually the aesthetics of a physical library book. I love the little stickers on them and like the labels and all of that. So I like having a physical library book, even though I know I have to be more vigilant about returning it on time and all of that stuff. But I like checking a book out that way. So I don't know. That's interesting. I know. And I, going back to sort of being like a mom again, I don't always want to see my kids see me with a device in my hand. Right. Because they might not know that I'm necessarily reading a book. I mean, I could tell them and they'll peer over my shoulder, but you know, I think to have a balance, you know, where there really is a book in my hand and they can see me modeling what it looks like to be a reader and that reading is important and, um, that we learn from it, that we have fun with it, I think is also just something that I keep in mind and and consider. Do you see anything among your, I'm like obsessed with your 2% reading population. That's all (laughs) intent. Do you see anything? I know. I'm like, Oh, I love them. I hope I (laughs) am. Is there anything that like connects all of them? Are they similar in in any ways other than their love of books? Like, is there anything that follows from that? Or are they just all book junkies and that's their thing? I'm trying to think, you know, it's funny. They have a lot of different hobbies. Yeah, no, like some are in the band, some are on the swim team, some are um, um, student government, you know. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else. Like they do always tend to bring a friend. So like, you know, if one of them says, okay, let's go here, let's go to this book event or that author event, they'll drag, you know, they'll bring one or two other people along who do happen to be readers, but may not have necessarily come in the first place. So it always starts with like that handful of kids. And I always sort of wonder who is going to be every year, you know, like, cause I've had a couple of my big, big, big readers graduate. And I always think, is there going to be somebody to follow them? Like, will I have that one kid or the handful of kids come in and and talk to me about books or want to do something for the library? Like, um, a lot of them like to volunteer in here behind the desk, which I love. I'm like, look, any like create book displays. You can do that. You can check books out for kids. You can shelf books. You can. Um, we also do like a students helping students club where we collect books like throughout the year we have book drives or like we'll collect them from other places and we deliver them to our partner schools in inner city Philadelphia. So our partner high school is South Philly high school. And then our elementary school is GW child's K to eight. And so like the kids get to go deliver the books, connect with like their student ambassadors, figure out what else they need, like how their situation is different than us. And, you know, I feel like we've made like a lot of good bonds that way. And so, you know, it's not always just about like them reading or them being a part of the library, but like being a part of the community and giving back and like spreading that love of reading around, which is really nice. I think that's true because it's like reading by itself is a really solitary activity. You know, you're just sitting there with a book by yourself. But I think that the best kind of reading makes you act in some way, either whether that's thinking about things differently yourself. I know that happens for me. I tend to um, end up wearing different outfits. Like if I read a book about somebody in the 1920s, I'm like, I just want to wear a bunch of, you know, I want to, I end up dressing like every time I read um, Henry and June, I want to run around in like stockings. Um, oh my God. 
I'm not suggesting that that's like the high school thing, but like if you read about like reading Lolita in Tehran or like other places where there's cultural differences, I feel like it does inspire the the desire to do something as a result of reading this stuff. And it's great that you've got options of what people can do to act on what they've had happen or what they've been inspired by when reading. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, it's just, it takes you to another world no matter what. And you, we each get something different out of it and it affects all of our, us differently because, you know, we're all, we all have our own things going on, but you know, in the books that we read, it's like, it can open your mind to a new way of thinking or to somebody else's situation or, you know, it's the interesting thing. And you had started the conversation off with teen lit is that when I, I, my background's in elementary. And when I came to the high school and started reading all of the YA, like the young adult lit, oh my gosh, it was so depressing. <laughs> and even these guys say, we want something that's not depressing. Come on. Like it's all about drugs or, um, you know, I don't know, teen depression or suicide, even in the fiction, you know, the main character always has like big issues. And I can see why, I mean, teens are growing up and they're trying to figure out like what it's like to be an adult and, you know, but they still have a lot of experience that they, um, need to have before they really, you know, I don't know, can be that adult, but you know, they're, they're six feet, two inches. Some of them have beards. Like, you know, they look like I look <laughs> these seniors and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, are you my age? But anyway, there was this one book. I don't know if you've read it. It's called Empty by K. Uh, let me think. I think it's K.M. Walton. And I couldn't believe it. I don't want to blow the end, but like, you know, the main character is obviously very depressed and she was bullied and she was overweight. And the very last page, she took pills on the stage of her school and the last sentence was her dying. And I turned the page and I was like, that's it. Like she seriously died. Like that can't be the end of the book. Usually like, especially in the elementary level, it's like, but their friend came in and said it was going to be okay. And yeah, I mean, nothing like that happened. That was just it. She was, and that's, that kind of thing can happen. You know, when you get that sort of experience, like, that I was talking about isn't always good. Like, you know, you might know somebody who has died or is depressed or, and not that it's a bad thing to talk about it or anything like that, but you know, the, the topics get a lot more serious. Well, if that's the only thing you're talking about too, is um, it's just, I think, yeah, I can see the point. And I think, I mean, granted, this is obviously the case for elementary lit, but I think that I wonder if there's an issue where young adult lit is not written by young adults. So they're not writing about their own experiences. It's right. It's written by people usually at least in their twenties who oh, are yeah. no longer in high school reflecting back on what it was like or sort of remembering. And I think all of us, I mean, I think there's been studies, I'll try to find one and link to them in the show notes, but that we're much more likely to remember bad things that have happened to us than good things. So it's like, we all think about teen years. We think, oh, I was such a loser. I, was, I wore that terrible dress. Everyone laughed at me. You know, it's just, those are the things we remember. And so I guess if we're writing books about that period of time, that's maybe what we focus on. I think that is an interesting point. I, I agree with you. And but you just reminded me about fan fiction, you know, oh, yeah. what do you think about that? Because then I feel like the teens do get their chance. So what do they, do they write about happier stuff when they write fan fiction? They can 
rewrite a section of the novel that they've just read, or they can write reviews and share it with the rest of the community on that forum. Because um, a lot of times, even like outside of just like reading for pleasure, what we do in the high school is we try to share like on social media or like beyond our four walls, right? So like we try to emphasize like the global community. And if we're not doing that, it's actually a bad thing because, you know, what I guess is the point of like learning something if you're not able to share it out and collaborate with people either like in a different state or, you know, anyone who's not local. Um, so I think with fan fiction, it gives the teenagers a voice and a say, and it also like taps into their creative writing process, which is awesome because, you know, sometimes like they just don't know what to write about, but if they're spurred on by like their favorite author or a great novel that they just read, they can take that and run with it and rewrite the ending or rewrite that part that they didn't like and have a say. I love that. I think it's so great. How do they share it? I am a total, I know nothing about how to consume fan fiction. Like how are oh. they putting it out there? Is it like on you know, a blog or do I probably sound like a grandmother when I say that? <laughs> no, you don't. But, um, you know, it's funny. I actually don't do a whole lot of it in school. I just, we talk about it a lot. So I'm not a hundred percent sure of like the platform, but I think it is it's like a website, fanfiction.com. Oh, and so okay. you can search like by um, different genre or books. So like, let's say again, going back to the Divergent trilogy, you'll have like a whole list of people that have contributed to that. And, like, I mean, the thousands. Wow. And um, and so you can just search by, like, books that you like or contribute that way. Nice. Well, I guess it's sort of blog. It's like yet. an underground teenager club. I feel like I've just oh, been yeah. granted oh. access. <laughs> they find a way to do what they want to do, which is great. You know, like, you'd be a problem solver. If you didn't like that, hey, go out there and, and rewrite it. Redo that's, it. That's where the internet has come from. So. I I know, I know you're an active librarian talking to us on your lunch break. So I will, <laughs> I don't want you to starve. You got to support those kids. But um, thank you so much for, for sharing from the ground of the, uh, the active teenage reader world. Oh my gosh. I'm honored. You're like my book guru. I always like, I love the book doctor. I always want to see what you have to say. And, you know, oh my gosh, like you said, years and years of be the best book recommendations have come from you. So oh, that's very you know. sweet. You it's were the one who awesome. got me on Harry Potter, though. You were. I give you credit. Nah. When we oh, shared that apartment and you were laughing about, I was like, what are you reading? You're like, Harry Potter. I was like, whatever. I don't need to read that. And then it totally <laughs> got me through grad school because I was oh such a great antidote to reading all of those dense psych texts. I was like, right. I'm just going to read Harry Potter. And I, I would know. let myself read it on the bus or on mass transit when I was going between school and home in San Francisco. Uh -huh. um, but it kind of backfired because I kept taking longer and longer bus routes to get home because I wanted to keep reading. Tell me about it. I had to like put that book down to make it last because I was like, no, oh. I am not going to, you know, just like cut this short. I've got to like stop at the end of this chapter. So I have time to like something to read tomorrow, you know? And, oh, I, I love it. I love it. I do. We just got the new one. I actually haven't had a chance. Oh to yeah, read, I did too. I got it. Have it. I got it as well. I'm I'm like, ooh, do I start or do I save it? Do I savor it? Ooh. I know. I know. The dilemma. Oh, my God. It's so hard. Oh, the life of a book nerd. I love it. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, oh we'll, uh, we'll turn to you again if we need some uh, active book club options. Maybe a bunch of people are going to run out and take fencing lessons now, but. <laughs> We've got ideas. Yep. Totally. Definitely. So. Thank you so much for being on, Michelle, and oh, thanks for having me. Mrs. Wetzel, the fancy librarian, and um, 
Have fun. Have fun in the school library. Thanks. It's always good. Best place to be. Thanks again to Muse Monthly for sponsoring the show. I found them because I was a subscriber, so I definitely encourage you all to check them out. They focus on contemporary adult fiction with a, an emphasis on literary fiction from debut writers, so it's a wonderful way to find a new book um, because I know everybody loves to read. So check them out, musemonthly.com, and remember the code is SECRET00, all one word, all caps, to get 10% off your subscription. Thank you for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. The show is produced by me, Caroline Donahue, and Frederick Barry McWilliams Jr., my tireless audio engineer. To get show notes for this episode and all other episodes, please visit secretlibrarypodcast.com. To get updates, literary love, and notification when new episodes are posted, sign up there for Footnotes, my newsletter. And to learn about life coaching with me to work on building your writing life, visit carolinedonahue.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Gold stars to everybody who leaves a rating and review on iTunes. We're so grateful. Until next time, happy reading.